You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. When it comes to church, the word church, I want to talk, I'll give you three definitions in reference to church. Two of the definitions stem from the Greek word kurios. Kurios means Lord. The first definition, um, the house of the Lord. That's what the church is, the house of the Lord. The place we come to worship, to get our praise on. The place we should come and allow Psalm 150 to manifest when it comes to our hand, our feet, our tongue, so forth. What does Psalm 150 say uh, in part? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And it talks about praising him on the drums, the cymbals, praising him on the instruments, and so forth. So when it comes to the house of the Lord, it's the place that we come to again to worship, to celebrate our God. And, and we need to make sure we always keep that in mind when we come in the house. Because the enemy's job is to distract us from doing in God's house what he ordained to be done in it. You know, because some churches are, are social clubs. Some churches, the biggest thing you know about them is mess. We want our church to be known for a place of worship. A place where people come to worship, seek, praise, get a healing, deliverance, and so forth. There is no place like God's house. Second meaning is those who belong to the Lord. And that's talking about the saints. You can come to church but not belong to him. But it's good to come to God's house whether you belong to him or not. Because if you truly listen to the word of God, if you do not belong to to him sooner or later you're going to ask the question what do I need to do in order to be saved how many remember coming to the house you wouldn't say but what was being said it pricked your heart and eventually you gave your life to Jesus and you haven't been the same since Matter of fact, some of us have the testimony once we experience salvation that we wish we would have done it sooner. That's your testimony. Let me see by a show of hands. There is nothing like the salvation of God. 
And you know without question that you are a saint, a child of God. You know without question you belong to him because you feel his presence in the church and outside the church. You know his voice in the church and outside the church. You have experienced his salvation, uh, not only in him saving you, converting you from sinner to saint, but also helping you since you've been born again. How many have experienced salvation since being born again? So you know you belong to him. Does that mean you're perfect? Absolutely not. But you know you, again, belong to him. And when you're really convinced, nobody can tell you different. You so belong to him to where you expect him to do for you what you nor anybody else can do for you. How many know can't nobody do you like Jesus? I say can't nobody do you like Jesus. When you have that testimony in you, you belong to him. The last definition comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which has to do with being called out of sin into Christ of the marvelous light of our God. Ecclesia has to do not only with people that have been called out of sin into his marvelous light, but has to do with people that are being sanctified. In the book of John 17 and 17, it says, in part, Jesus was praying a prayer Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. When he sanctifies you, he uses the word to do so. You hear it, and it starts to clean you up. But another meaning of sanctified is to make legitimate. I said to make legitimate. We were illegitimate, but God is making us legitimate. Making us right according to his his word, according to his plan. The written and the revealed. Won't truth change your life? I said, won't truth change your life? And truth will do something for you. That nothing else can do. It'll free you. I said it'll free you. It'll cause you to feel in your spirit, soul, and body something distinct, something different. A cleansing. Something that causes you not to think the way you used to think. To talk the way you used to talk. Or to act the way you used to act. Truth will change you completely. I said truth will change you completely. And so when it comes to the church, you, when you look at the church, you're looking at folks that when you look at their life, you, you see, hey, that ain't the same man 
That's not the same woman. That, that, he used to do such and such. He ain't doing that no more. He done change. So if you're truly of the church, you're changed. If somebody tell you they're, they're of the church but have not changed, not so. If you're being sanctified, you, you change. You can't be sanctified and still curse. No, you sanctify your, your tongue is being made legitimate. You can't be sanctified and still think crazy. No, if you're sanctified, your mind is changing. You're, you're thinking more like God has ordained for you to think. You look at life completely different because you, have, you are being changed. Where you have been changed and you're yet being changed. I love when, when Paul said to the Corinthian church, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, you see newness. And some of us can, can just pull out our hand and start naming things that are no longer a part of our life. Pull out that hand for a minute and let, let's, just, let's just begin to talk about some things you don't do no more. Woo, how many used to be liars you don't lie like? I ain't going to say you don't lie no more, but you... you some of us, we used to be known for life. You used to lie just to lie. Some of us don't trust certain things the way we used to trust them. Or we don't trust them at all. Some of us don't put this, that, and the other before God. Why? We done changed. Certain things you used to depend on first, you don't depend on those things first. Why? Because you done change. If you really belong to him, if you're really being sanctified, if you're truly church, you're new. And you can see the newness. But not only can you see the transformation, people around you will see the transformation. Now, when it comes to the church, according to Matthew 16 and 18, Christ is the builder of the church. He said to Peter, after Peter had, had let Jesus know who he was, had let Jesus know of the revelation that he had received from God, Jesus said to him, upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build first individuals. I'm going to clean up this man. Because I need him to be a part of the physical church. But I'm also going to clean up this woman because I want her to be a part of the 
physical church. He takes individuals and he joins them together. Why? He's building. And when you build, you join parts together. I'm going to build a church called a place of refuge. I'm going to start with a short preacher. But then I'm going to bring in some deacons, some ministers, some some leaders, some laid, lay people, and so forth, and, and I'm going to build it. See, we, all, we have to keep in mind that he is the builder because if not, we will allow our flesh to start trying to build what only God can build. We don't want to to be like that because there there are churches, when when you look at the foundation, the foundation was not built by Christ. It was built by folk. Yeah. And when something is built by people, people will run it the way they desire to run it. Oh, you've seen churches like that. You probably came out of one. I'm, I'm not talking about you now. But I'm just saying, I said you probably, I don't know, I don't know that. But when, you, but when you allow Christ to build the church, everything that takes place is going to be scripturally founded. Everything is going to be according to God's written and revealed word. When it comes to how things operate within the church, It's going to be according to God's written and revealed word. Even when we put in certain things that that we want to add to it, it's still based upon the word. I said it's still based upon the word. Why? Heaven and earth shall pass, but not the word. Everything needs to be according to the written and revealed will of God he said I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades the gates of Hades represents the power of the enemies of God yeah they are enemies of God and his church but again Matthew 16 and 18 says that the gates of Hades of the power of God's enemies and the enemies of the church shall not prevail against it. Root meaning of prevail is to be stronger. No matter what comes against you, it may even feel like it's beating you or defeating you, but God promised that it's not going to prevail or be stronger than the church. That means the church as the body, but you as an individual temple is not going to be stronger than you. Well, well, it feels like it's it's overtaking me. Don't, Don't you allow that to get in your spirit. Don't you allow that to get in your being. Let let me just rightly divide the word. The scripture tells us no weapon that is formed. Against us shall prosper. 
The word prosper in that particular verse means to succeed. It's not going to succeed. It, it I've been formed and it's coming against you, but it's not going to succeed. It may win around, but it's not going to get the complete a total victory. You're going through something and it seems like the thing has the upper hand and, and it may at this time, but that thing is not going to win. Ooh, tell somebody, whatever you're going through, keep in mind that God has made you stronger than that thing and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're going to win against that thing that's attacking your mind, your body. But you got to hold on to what God promised. No weapon formed against you shall what? It's not going to succeed. See, see the enemy will form a weapon to try to get us to, to yield. To his wishes. You never yield to the wishes of the enemy. Even when you feel as if the enemy has the upper hand. You never yield and say it's over. No, no it ain't over. Why don't, ye, why don't I yield when I feel it? Because you don't walk by feeling. You don't walk by sight. Second Corinthians 5 and 7. You walk by faith. It's so painful, yeah, but you got to hold on. You got to hold on. You got to hold on. They thought they had defeated Jesus, but, but while, while he was carrying that cross up the hill, oh, he wasn't being defeated. He was headed toward victory. And sometimes when you're heading toward victory, it's painful. You're bleeding, you're suffering, but just hold on. David said, we've been made and do for a night, but it's coming. When is it coming? In the morning. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. And when it comes to building, you have to be hit on. Literally, when you build a house, you're going to have to take a nail to join the wood together. You're going to have to be hit on. You're going to have to go through some trouble, some trials, some tribulation. You're going to have to go through some things you don't want to go through. How many in here you done been through some things you didn't, you didn't want to go through? But look how better it made you. I said look how stronger it made you. Look how confident it made you. How many I went through some trials but when you came out that trial the right way you were more confident. You were more stronger. You trusted God even more so when you came out than when you went in. Shout at somebody, can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like? Shout at one more person, can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like? 
I'm going to go through this, but I'm going to come out better. Yeah, it hurt, but it's making me stronger. Yeah, it looked like I ain't going to come out, but he done promised me no weapon formed against me. Shit. And so he's building the church. But it's important for the church to have the right mindset. You got to have the right mindset. The root meaning of mind is to think. You got to think. We cannot be a dumb group of folk. You as a child of God cannot be, I know folks don't like you using this word, but stupid. Here's a word, ain't it? Okay. You can't be stupid as a child of God. And, and you can't let enemies of folk play with your mind like it's played up. You got to be a thinking person. And your primary thoughts need to be in line with the written and revealed will of God. It's got to be bigger than what the world is saying. And it's got to be bigger than you just saying pastor said. You got to know that what pastor said is the word. Don't just say pastor said. Because folk going to be thinking your foundation is pastor. Pastor will pass away. Tell somebody, I don't know if you know it or not. Walker got an appointment. He going down one day. So you can't set your foundation as Walker said. No, your foundation needs to be based upon the written and revealed word. It's good to let folks know your pastor said it and he's in line with the word. But you need to remember the word that your pastor gave you. And that's what you need to stand on. What pastor said, according to Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass, but not the word. Pastor said, according to John 14 and 1, that I don't need to let my heart be troubled, but to believe in God. Pastor said, according to John 8, 31 and 32, I'll know the truth and the truth will make me free. You need to have a scripture. You got to have a basis. And in order to know scripture, you got to use your mind. You got to be a thinking person. Because if not, things will attack your mind and start playing with you. Don't allow things to tell you how to think. You allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in reference to your thinking. John 16 and 13, Jesus says to his disciples that that when the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of truth has come, it will guide them into, get this, all 
truth. Everything you need to know about life, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. When you get in a tight situation, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you whether to go north, south, east, or west, or whether to go backward or forward, or to go sideways, or to do this, that, or the other. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you. Don't rely on yourself. Rely on him. Why? He's going to get you into how much truth? You have to be a person that thinks. And when you and when you have the mind of Christ and recognize that you have to be a thinking person, that means that number one, you have to be able to comprehend or understand people and things. I said you have to be able to comprehend or understand people and things. You, you got to be able to recognize when, when somebody comes, whether the person is com- coming the right way or the wrong way. The moment you pick up somebody is coming the wrong way, it's time to sever that conversation. I got to go, bro. See you. Don't call me. You don't want to be conversing with somebody that's coming the wrong way. Why? That can taint your spirit. That can cause your mind to wonder. Are you listening to me? You have to be able to comprehend or understand a thing or a person. Second, it means that you you have to form thoughts that are right, positive, optimistic, and so forth. It's easy to form thoughts Based upon a bad situation. Easy to form negative thoughts. Based upon a bad report that you have. You you can't be like that if you're Christ minded. Paul said whatsoever things are lovely. Of good report. And so forth. Think on these things. You don't allow what you see to control your thought process. You you have to learn how to form certain thoughts. You have to learn. You have to learn to form certain thoughts when things are negative. You, you have to look at the negative and, and then you have to allow the thought process to start looking at the good even though it looks like everything is negative. It's something even though it's something good even though this situation looks negative. Why? Because God in it. If God allowed it to happen, that means God going to have something in it good. Well, I say God going to have something in it good. Why? God is good. Why God is. Why God is. Lord, this is a negative report. But I'm still 
living. I'm still breathing. That lets me know God is not done with me. Whoa, I'm hurting. But oh, but I can still step. I can't step as fast as I used to step, but I still can step. Oh, I'm hurt back here, but I still can walk. It hurt when I walk, but I still can. You got to fall thoughts in line with the written and reveal will of God. Or your thoughts need to be optimistic. A positive. You take when Jesus when Jesus saw something that was negative for everybody else, he immediately would think positive. Whole group of folks saw a little girl and say she dead. Jesus, oh, no, <laughs> she's sleeping. <laughs> Folk were ready to stone a woman to death. She'd have been caught. We finna stone her to death. Jesus, no. Whoever without sin, let him cast the first stone. Looked around, everybody was gone. Jesus had to ask, where your accusers? Everybody left. And he said to her, I don't accuse you either. Go your way, sin no more. In other words, get saved. You have to form thoughts. That are positive. You check out scripture. Jesus was always a positive person. Even when his flesh rose. And he said. And and he asked the Lord to take away the cup. He immediately. within, Within five seconds. Oh nevertheless. Not as I will. But your will be done. If I have to do this in in order for such and such to take place, so be it. He was always a positive person. Always. Always a positive person. He knew, he, he knew, or he mastered thinking even when things were on the low. Things were negative. He mastered thinking according to what was written or revealed. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you and you have to you have to recognize that doing such, you have to practice doing it. Yeah. You have to practice doing it. When, when, when bad situations come up, you go, hey, it's bad, but let me, let me, there's some good in here somewhere. Let me find the good in here. And every time something happens, you look at the good in it. Because there's going to be some good somewhere. Because if God is sovereign and allows everything, he ain't going to allow anything to happen. And, not, and you not see positive. I like how Paul said it in, in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and 13. He says, with the temptation of the testing of the trial, he'll also make what? A way of escape. Why? In order for you to bear it. 
in order for you to handle it the way it needs to be handled. In order for you to deal with it the way it needs to be dealt with. And as you grow in Christ, you're going to have to master the technique. Why is that? Because to whom much is given, much is also required. Yeah, you got a million dollars, but, but now you show sure enough got to learn how to deal with people, deal with this, that, and the other. Why? To whom much is given, much is required. The more he blesses you, the more you're going to have to learn how to use your mind. And so after you comprehend, after you form thoughts, the final meaning of think that I want you to get in your spirit is making mental choices. Once I form these thoughts, then I can make choices. And when I start making choices, it's going to affect what I say and what I do. I said when I start making mental choices, it's going to affect what I say and what I do. Bad report. Oh. <laughs> He's trying to be God, predict whether I'm going to live or not. God has the appointment book. God has the final say. Yeah, you, you, you doctor, but God is author and finish of my faith. Yeah, you doctor, but God is the alpha, omega. And see, I'm forming thoughts when I'm, when I'm saying this based upon the word. And then based upon the thoughts that I have made. I'm just going to trust God and not this report. I'm going to trust him. I'm, I'm going to start talking what he said. And I'm going to start walking in what he said. And that's you making mental choices. But again, when you make mental choices, it's going to be followed by your words and what you do. I mean, you understanding. And so Christ... All Christ-minded church is a church that operates based, according to the text, based upon the meaning of Jesus and the meaning of Christ. Notice again our text, Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Savior. 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 So, so my mind is always going to be. God can save me. If I. I'm a Christ-minded church, and I know Jesus means Savior. In my mind, is I, I can be delivered from this. Yeah, God can protect me. He, he can cause me to prosper out of this. Because ultimately, from a biblical standpoint, 
Salvation represents deliverance, protection, and prosperity. That's what it represents. Say that with me. Deliverance represents. Our salvation represents. Deliverance, protection, and prosperity. So if I am to let this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus, I got to remember Jesus means Savior. Now, according to Matthew 18 and 11, Jesus came to save, get this, the lost. That's what he came to say. And a lot of people just look at the lost as being sinners. But some synonyms of lost, number one, the helpless or people that need help. Is that you from time to time? Oh, don't try to act like you don't ever need no help. How many in here you can put your hand up and say, yeah, I need help sometime? That's what he came to do. He came to, he came to save the helpless. Somebody that need help. If you're a sinner, you sure enough need help. Why? You're on your way to hell if you don't get saved. But if you're a child of God, periodically you're going to need him to help. How can you say that? I got the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said this to his disciples one day. He said, you know what? Without me, you can do nothing. Not one thing. You can do nothing. Not one thing. We're going to need some help. But it also means, loss also means aimless. You're living with that purpose. That's a dangerous thing. You got to live with purpose. You have to live with purpose. When you go to your job, you need to go with purpose. When you wake up in the morning, you need to have purpose for the whole day. You, you never need to have a day where you're aimless. You need to always wake up with purpose. I love how, how David put his reference to his day. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You have to live with purpose. What you going to do today? I don't know. You ain't got, I don't know. See, I don't need to be a child of God. You need to live with purpose every single day. Every single day. If you're not, you're lost. Yeah, and if you're living without purpose, you're aimless as, as to what you should or shouldn't do in life, you need to talk to Jesus. And don't feel ashamed. I done, I done been there. I remember days saying, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I remember saying, well, you know, I went to school for this, but I don't really want to do that. I don't know what I want to do. Well, ask God to help you. Without me, you can do what? Holy Spirit, we got you. Now, how much true? His name means Savior. But then you have to consider Christ. Christ equates the anointed one. 
anointed. A person that is, no, is anointed is a person that has a mission in reference to God's will. Jesus said in the book of Luke 4 and 18, the spirit, of Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he goes on with a list of things that he had been anointed to do. And some of the things that, that he had been anointed to do in reference to ministry would happen within the church and without the church or outside the church. Because that's what he had been anointed to do. And, and so when you have a mind of Christ, you know that you don't been anointed to do certain things. Now, some folks don't like what they have been anointed to do for some reason or another. And so they want to try to act like they're anointed to do something God never intended for them to do. No, don't do that. Some things you don't have been anointed to do is going to involve pain. Christ was anointed to die. And that's not been anointed to die. When you check out what he said to Paul, he told Paul, you, you, don't have been, you don't have been anointed or chosen to suffer, get this, great things. In our day and time, folk want to be called to preach. And that's all they want. I'll call to say it to somebody. No, because genuine preachers are anointed. But the anointing is not just something great. The anointing is something that involves suffering. You check out scripture, every person that was anointed went through a period that was horrendous. Where they experienced devastation, hurt, pain, and so forth. But it was part of God anointing them. Some would even say, for this purpose, I was sent. Sent equates anointing. Not just to preach, not just to teach but to suffer. For this purpose, I, 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 I was anointed to tell how I used to be a hoe. I know they've been seeing me in all these dresses and looking like I've always been a lady, but I've been anointed to tell them how whorish I used to be. I've been anointed to tell them how I used to be strung out. But he delivered me. See, because your anointing is going to always glorify Jesus. Well, I don't have to worry about that because I didn't. I wouldn't know how. I wouldn't know how. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go through this, that, this. But but you got something. They 
that God want you to use. That he has anointed you for in order for folks to get saved. Get this. Because what the anointing does is it destroys yokes of bondage. You know, I can preach and, and folk will get saved, but, but some folk, it's going to take an anointed testimony in order for folks to get saved. Some, some crack addicts, it's going to take somebody who went through using crack to talk to them and, and let them see firsthand how God has the power to deliver them. And see, that's what the, the, the anointing represents. So when it comes to having a Christ-like mind, we cannot have it without understanding or knowing the definitions of Jesus and the definitions of Christ. You hear me? I'm done. 